When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngji. And, of course, we welcome in everybody outside of Wisconsin as well. How are you doing? Five minutes after 5 o'clock as we start off a Tuesday morning. Today is the 18th day of August and the second day of the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. Boy, the market is really paying attention to what agronomists are observing in the field as far as yields. Started off yesterday in the western edge of the Corn Belt, southeast South Dakota, northeast Nebraska. They're coming their way across Iowa. That's where everybody has got their eye trained this morning. Goodness uh, sakes, good thing we've got John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson along with us. We'll talk not only about that Pro Pharma crop tour, but dairy had a really tough day yesterday on fluid milk. We went from gaining ground to losing double digits. What in the world happened there? Did I miss a news story? John will tell us that's coming up. Weather-wise for today, what can you expect? Another very mild day, but not much in the way of rain. Sunshine, 77. Tomorrow, sunshine and 81. Thursday, sunshine and 82. But honestly, we don't have much of a chance of measurable showers till the time we get to Saturday. Talking weather with our man Stu Muck in about 15 minutes. Pride, you know the feeling. It's that calming sensation you get after a job well done. It's the confidence gained by exceeding even your own expectations and the thrill of accomplishments you just can't keep quiet. When it comes to planting corn, pride is earned through tall, sturdy stalks. It's gained through strong roots and resistance that sends pests and weeds packing. And it's realized at the elevator when your eyes open wide as you watch those numbers roll in. At Dairyland Seed, we specialize in corn you can be proud of from North Dakota to Indiana. We support it with ag experts who stand by your side and behind our products. And with our expanded corn portfolio, we'll help you find the right seed for your region, soil, and conditions, no matter where you plant. If you know what it feels like to be proud of your corn, then you know there's no feeling like it. But if you don't, maybe it's time to give us a call. Are you Dairyland Seed proud? Find your corn pride at DairylandSeed.com. Every few years, it seems like some of the experts find things that shouldn't be here in Wisconsin. Plants that are growing that uh, don't belong. A few years ago, I remember purple loosestrife came into the area and rapidly spread where it didn't belong. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And now it looks like, Caitlin, we've got uh, something from Japan that's growing here that doesn't belong. Yeah, Bob, this is something that's been around in the country. It's our first time, though, finding it in Wisconsin from the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse. I'm Caitlin Riley, and it's a story of someone being at the right place at the right time. We know how devastating those invasive species can be to our local ecosystems and agriculture. And Kelly Kearns with the DNR thinks that they have this situation under control thanks to quick action, hand pulling, and spraying this invasive ground. 
grass is called Japanese stilt grass. And like we said, it's the first time it's been identified in Wisconsin. Amanda Weiss is a botanist who works for the University of Minnesota, and she just happened to be volunteering for DNR's rare plant monitoring program when she saw this invasive grass in the Cooley Experimental State Forest right here in La Crosse County. My hobbies are the exact same thing I do for work. <laughs> Back in New England, they have a plant conservation program that's open to volunteers, and I used to be a part of that. And unfortunately, Minnesota doesn't have a program, but Wisconsin does. So I was volunteering for the Rare Plant Conservation Program for Wisconsin, Department of Natural Resources. Kevin Doyle runs that. He's the state botanist. So I had an assignment that day to go look for plants at that site. And I was actually on my way to go up towards the cliffs and was in the, you know, getting out of my van in the parking lot and looked down and went, huh, that's weird. That's a plant I don't see much here. And it's, I'm from the New England area where Japanese silkgrass is really common and a very severe problem. You know, it sort of crossed my mind that it was off seeing it, but it also was like, okay, silkgrass. So I didn't think too much of it, grabbed the specimen and did my field work. And then when I looked up uh, more information on its distribution in the area, I was like, oh, no, (laughs) this is not going to be great. You were kind of the bear of bad news, be it I'm sure the DNR, when you contacted them, were pretty grateful that you did find it and report it. Yeah, they've been great. They've been super responsive. I actually reported through the online mapping tool called EdMap for reporting invasive species. So I used that. And within, I think I reported in the evening, and by the next morning I had a email from Kelly Kearns in my inbox wanting to get in touch ASAP. So yeah, they've been on the ball with it, which has been really great to see. Kelly Kearns is a DNR invasive plant specialist, and she says although this is the first time Japanese stilt grass has been identified in the state, it has been on their radar. Japanese stilt grass is a plant that we've known for quite a few years was eventually going to be found in Wisconsin. It's found throughout the Midwest, much more abundantly down in near the Ohio River, southern Indiana and Ohio and Illinois. But it's also been found further north up in New England. So we know that it can survive Wisconsin winters. And we know that it also hitchhikes on mud and gear and people's boots. And so we knew eventually it would get here. and It was just a matter of time until we found it. This plant, especially where it grows at the Cooley Experimental Forest, is with two other plants that look very similar to it. And so as you're looking for it, you really have to get, you know, an eye for that individual species, kind of distinguish it from the other two lookalikes. Luckily for Wisconsin, Wise is a grass specialist who showed the DNR how to effectively identify the Japanese stilt grass. I think grasses in general can be overlooked and they kind of, you know, make a, a green wall on the edge of roadsides and other areas. And I think sometimes when we arrive somewhere, we might not think to look at the roadside edge and, and it might just be, you know, a number of native grasses. And it, it does look very similar to things like Virginia rice grass, which they occur in the same habitat and they can occur side by side. So things like that, it can look like other species, but it does have a really unique kind of shorter leaf shape and a really strong white or almost translucent mid-vein down the leaves. So it looks like it has a little white racing stripe down the leaf. Once you kind of are familiar with that, you can spot it pretty quickly. But if it's not on your radar, it can be overlooked very easily. Kern says once the invasive grass was identified in EdMaps, experts sprang into action. 
that EDMAP notified folks at University of Wisconsin-Madison that that was found, and then they notified the DNR, and from there we got verification and then gathered together a team to go and do better surveys of the site to check the site and make sure we found all the plants that were there. And I know that it's believed that you guys were able to get it under control, but is there still monitoring happening in that area? Any invasive plant takes multiple years to control and to get to the point where it's actually eliminated. In this case, this plant is an annual, and so it takes only one year from the time that it gets into an area, grows, and then produces seed. It also has a fairly short life cycle as a seed in the soil. So probably we'll be monitoring for at least five to seven years and making sure that no plants go to seed. And as long as we can prevent that from happening, then we should be able to keep the population from spreading there. Just like any other invasive species, if Japanese stilt grass becomes established, it can take over an area, causing concern for the local ecosystem and agriculture. Japanese stilt grass, because it's an annual, it spreads very quickly. Each plant can produce between like 100 and 1,000 seeds. It also roots at the nodes, and so it can spread vegetatively as well. And it takes over the understory of a forest. It outcompetes other species and can literally blanket other plants. And so where it's dense, you can actually see it kind of crawling over all the other plants and, and completely covering the forest floor. Then in the fall, when it gets cold, the plant dies back and it's extremely flammable. So it's much more likely that there's going to be a fire in that area. And when there is a fire, then it just makes a wonderful habitat for the stilt grass seeds so that they can then germinate and grow the next year. Basically, it eliminates other plants in the understory, including tree seedlings. Wise is hopeful for collaborations among experts and community members to keep Japanese stilt grass under control. With the work that the DNR is doing and the outreach, I think if they can reach people that are hiking and hunting, they can definitely make a difference. In a perfect world, we could track somehow where this came from and try to make sense of it and see if it were already in the state in another location on private property or just somewhere we haven't seen it. But everything that um, DNR is doing right now is the correct thing, the surveys of the immediate area and then outreach to the local area and then the broader public. So that's the best we can do with this. And, And the hope is that we start getting other sightings, and hopefully all those other sightings are native species and not just one. Kern says there are simple steps to follow if you think you see Japanese stilt grass. If they think that they see it, first thing to do is maybe look it up and get some Japanese stilt grass. Make sure that you're looking at the correct identifying characteristics. The main and easiest one is that there's a silvery white stripe on the midrib of the top of the leaf just off center. Get close-up photos so that we can actually identify it from the photo. Contact us, send us an email with the location that you found it and with a good photo. And from that, we'll be able to tell if indeed it is grass or one of its many look-alike plants. We want people to try to get it figured out before they send us any reports. And if they do send us reports, let us know where this was as well and provide their contact information. What can the average public do to help prevent the spread of not only this invasive species, but other invasive species? 
well, this plant probably came in on somebody's shoes or on their gear. They might have like had some gear. They were they were hunting in southern Ohio or Illinois, and they threw it in their truck, and then they came back up to Wisconsin and pulled it out, and the mud came off, and a couple of seeds fell off and started a new population. So cleaning off the mud off of your gear, especially camping gear, and off of your shoes is really important. Doing that before you leave a site is going to uh, prevent those seeds from spreading around. And just being observant, and if you see on your own property something that looks like it's spreading and you're concerned about it, then feel free to take a photo and send it to either your local extension office or if you're going to send it to DNR, it's best to send it to invasive.species at wisconsin.gov. I'm just impressed with the level of interest everyone has. I hope people are willing to keep their eyes open for this. And, you know, we welcome sightings and, and I hope that we can address all of them and keep this plant out of Wisconsin. Now, Japanese stiltgrass is one of many invasive plants in Wisconsin, and people can find more information about invasive plants on the Wisconsin DNR website. I'll share that as well as links for reporting invasive species at MidwestFarmReport.com. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Caitlin Riley. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Johnson Tractor asks you to close your eyes. Now, imagine the perfect flow of grain from the field to the bin. Imagine a single rotor that ensures both quality and productivity. And think about an advanced system that optimizes harvest settings on the go. But you don't have to imagine. With features like AFS Harvest Command, an Axial Flow Combine from Case IH, and Johnson Tractor always delivers the perfect flow for your operation. Your new Case IH Combine is waiting for you at Johnson Tractor in Judah and Janesville. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. It's been 65 years since Blaine's Farm and Fleet opened its doors, supplying feed, farm supplies, hardware, and auto parts at low prices to our customers. Today, we continue these traditions, offering brand-name products at everyday low prices. Be safe on the roads this summer and save $5 on a new Blaine's Farm and Fleet Platinum battery with seven-year warranty. And remember, Blaine's Farm and Fleet offers free battery checks in our automotive service center for your convenience. Save $30 on a Lincoln 12-volt lithium-ion power Luber, regularly $199.99, now $169.99. And pick up a five-gallon bucket of Valvoline Premium Blue 15W40 oil, just $42.99 after $24 mail-in rebate. Keep your equipment running longer and stronger with Clean Def Diesel Exhaust Fluid, a 55-gallon drum, just $139.99. Plus, check out this great doorbuster value. 50-pound bags of Farm and Fleet Performance Dog or 40-pound bags of Farm and Fleet Original Cat Food, your choice, $19.99. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. I'm not used to taking care of things on my own. My wife, my sweetheart, took care of me for 46 years, and I've loved every moment. When the doctor gave her six months, all she wanted was to spend it at home with me. Now it's my turn to take care of her. I know a grace will help me care for the one I've loved my whole life. A grace, hospice, and palliative care. Just call. A grace will help. 
You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. All righty, 520 now as we get started on a Tuesday morning that is providing us with uh, moderate temperatures. That's the good news, but boy, not much rain in the forecast. Let's talk about it. Stumach, Ag Meteorologist, along with us live via Skype. And part of the reason I bring it up, I mean, I'm, I'm loving these temperatures. That's all well and good. But uh, now people starting to get more concerned about when the rain's going to show up. We'll have the latest crop progress report after 5.30, and it's not just us. I think about those poor folks out in California, triple-digit temperatures and wildfires. I mean, I think they'd love what we've got here. They would be just tickled to death, I think, with the little cooler pattern we have. Uh, yeah, a little rain would be a great thing almost anywhere right now, and that's just not really in the picture. There may be a little patchy fog around the Lacrosse area this morning. I'd say some of that fog, Lacrosse to Boston, maybe even over toward Oshkosh tomorrow morning, but that's going to be about the extent of any real big weather change here. Fog isn't a big change either for all that, but we are going to be staying just a little cooler than normal, a degree or two, nothing drastic and quite comfortable. Uh, seen it described as comfortable daytime highs and cooler nighttime lows. And there's one absolute fact that through the nighttime, we'll be staying cooler than normal in the mid-50s the next couple of nights, where we should be in the very upper 50s or almost 60. So a nice spell, high pressure edging on in. We'll keep precipitation out of the picture. There may be some light rains developing toward northern Wisconsin, maybe on toward tomorrow night or on toward Thursday night, certainly, but nothing that's going to have any influence here. In fact, it's not until late Friday night or into Saturday that there may be a bit of a rain chance and that may work out kind of like the one we saw this past weekend where some folks get just a little rain and others don't get any. That's how this system's going to work out. Temperatures will be warming though and we'll be back to and above normal as we make our way to the later part of the week. I'll have the forecast details right after this. Pride doesn't just appear out of nowhere. Like a healthy plant, a trusted relationship or a successful business, It begins as a seed and grows. For farmers, pride grows out of knowing that the investment you put in the ground will pay big dividends come harvest. It comes with having a seed brand who shares your values and your drive to get the job done, who stands by your side and behind their products. Pride is what happens when you have confidence that you're taken care of, so you can take care of what matters. At Dairyland Seed, our pride comes in helping you grow yours. And we show it with hard-working seed and even harder-working people. We don't want you to simply choose to team with us. We want to do everything we can to make you glad you did. So when you plant that Dairyland Seed field sign on the side of the road, you can be proud of what stands behind it. Start growing your pride at DairylandSeed.com. 523 now looks like everybody's waking up in the upper 50s right now, Stu, and warming up. Uh, we'll warm it up some today. Sunny skies, upper 70s, maybe around 80 at La Crosse. Like I said, La Crosse may have a little of that patchy fog early on. No big deal. North winds about 5 today. Clear overnight again in the mid and upper 50s. The north winds about 5. A little morning fog. La Crosse, Mauston, toward Oshkosh. I expect sunshine tomorrow around or just low 80s, so it will warm up a bit. And winds become southwest tomorrow at about 5. And then there's Thursday. Sunny skies a little warmer. Low and mid 80s. Could actually make our way to 85 at La Crosse, our warm spot. Southwest winds about 5 to 10. Not until Friday night, Pam, and then into Saturday will there be that scattered shower, isolated thunderstorm that we'll get to talk about. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Stu. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
See you then. Stu our ag meteorologist, with your weather details. And right now around the state of Wisconsin, La Crosse, looks like you're clear right now, 55, at least at the airport. Mauston, clear in 54. Fond du Lac, clear in 61. Beaver Dam, you've got a few clouds here at 57. Madison at the airport, currently clear skies and 59 degrees. Well, the Pro Farmer Crop Tour started yesterday. Uh, they've got two different groups of agronomists, one on the eastern Corn Belt, the other on the western Corn Belt. <clears throat> a lot of people paying attention to this report because it's the first boots-on-the-ground look at what kind of damage that Derecho did, especially in the key state of Iowa. Markets already reacting to initial reports. We're talking about it with our friend John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. He'll be joining us live via Skype before we hit 6 o'clock. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The battle to generate more revenue could be as simple as a free IT assessment from Compel Consulting. You'll receive a customized report detailing opportunities to reduce risk, lower costs, increase productivity, and revenues. Compel Consulting simply wants to help you make more money. Schedule a free technology assessment with Compel today and be more productive tomorrow. Visit CompelledNetworks.com. Compel Consulting, professional IT solutions, just like having family in the IT biz. Buy direct from the manufacturer and start saving on your fuel storage costs. 1,000-gallon and 550-gallon fuel tanks are in stock at USEMCO, built Wisconsin Tough and Toma. Sandblasted and urethane-coated prevents rusting and wear and tear. Plus, they come with a full factory warranty. A tough tank for a soft price from USEMCO. Visit USEMCO.com and click on Fuel Tanks. Save on your fuel storage costs with the Wisconsin company always looking after you. Visit USEMCO.com. Did you postpone a regular checkup because of COVID-19? If so, you may have missed an important screening test for breast, cervical, or colorectal cancer. It's safe to go back to the doctor. Call your health care provider today and ask if you're due for a cancer screening. Because cancer doesn't stop during a pandemic. Remember, stay safe, wear a mask, and get screened for cancer. A message from the Wisconsin Cancer Collaborative. Paid for by the Wisconsin Department of Health Services. With Johnson Tractor's brand new Case IH online parts store, you can order from your computer or your mobile device. Sign up for an account with Johnson Tractor and get free shipping on your first order. Johnson Tractor's Case IH online parts store is open for business 24-7, 365 days a year. Just log on at johnsontractor.com and click on the online parts store tab. Visit the brand new Case IH online parts store at johnsontractor.com. Johnson Tractor, from land to lawn. Be the light. That's my motto. Hi, I'm Scott, proud employee with EverReady Electric for over 20 years. We want you. Yes, you. We're hiring for journeymen or master electricians. Full-time with a hiring bonus of $1,500. Why? Well, we get that transitioning from one job to another has costs. And we're here to support you in a new comfort zone. Join our team and apply online. Or call and ask for Linda. She'll amp you up. We're EverReady. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, 
jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Believe it or not, interest rates are the lowest in history, and now is the time to refinance. If you want to save some money on your mortgage every month, it's very quick and easy. Allow me to show you all of your options. Just give me a call, and we'll get the process started. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222-652. Our sports director, Zach Halpern, joining us. Zach, what's up, dude? Good morning. Where are you headed to right now? I'm about uh, just outside of Appleton, heading to Green Bay for day two of Packers uh, practice. Yes. And is today a fully padded practice? Did I see that correctly? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I thought it was day three. That they oh, were yeah. Okay. On, you're, but... you're correct. You're correct, Zach. And you were up there on for the first practice on Saturday, correct? How'd that go? Correct. It's, it's odd, man. It's weird. Ever since I've been covering it, even going back to – 2010, 2011, 2012, it's just, you know, fans everywhere, not just for training camp, but for OTAs, and it was weird, just, uh, it just was a different environment, but it was good to see football for the first time in a long time. So take us through, like, what you had to do in the COVID-19 world we live in now. You know, the before time was so much better, but now we're in the, we're in the BS time. In the BS time, Zach, what did you have to do to get, like, did you have to bathe in Purell before they let you in, or what? No, it's, it's actually pretty simple. They just they make you wear your mask wherever you you know. Obviously, you wear a mask. You get a little credential that you put on your shirt, and then you walk in and you sit in the stands. And in the stands, or sit in the stands, uh, you know, stand whatever. They have little blue marks all over where fans normally sit during training camp. There's like four rows that line the entire field, and there's little blue marks where 
reporters can fit. You have to spread out over those entire things. You can move to other open spaces during practice, but uh, they want you to socially distance, obviously, with your mask on. So, that, I mean, that's I think we've all become accustomed to that type of stuff. And so it's not that much different except, obviously, where we're standing is where fans normally are. Interesting. So you don't have to jump through too many hoops, hoops then. Uh, Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us as he's driving up to uh, second day of Packers practice. So, Zach, when you're there watching practice unfold, I mean, it had to felt good to see football, obviously, in Green Bay. But did you notice anything different when it comes to the Packers and the players having to socially distance? Because I saw or heard comments from Packers head coach Matt LaFleur saying that, you know, they need to keep an eye on their players when they're not in drills to socially distance and yada, yada, yada. What was it? Was it weird for the players and going through the drills as well? No. Uh, there, was, <laughs> there was no social distancing going on, like, between drills at all. Guys were guys were talking in close little huddles like they normally do. The only I would say the only difference, obviously, Matt LaFleur wearing his neck gaiter and, and all the coaches wearing their masks. But you know, at the end of the at the end of uh, practice, you know, we called the team up, right? It's all a little close little huddle. That was different. They had them spread out. No one, keep, they didn't get very close in that. But guys were talking between plays. Guys were talking close to each other, uh, you know, while they were standing on the sideline. So there, I didn't see a, a ton of difference there. Gotcha. All right. Well, something I saw a big difference in, I saw the picture go viral. Nelson, for some reason, like, is mad about it, but that's par for his course. How thick is AJ the Sauce Dylan? Oh, my God. That guy's a wrecking ball, Heilprin. I'll be honest. It is a little weird to be talking about it, right? I mean, it's like uh, people are obsessed with his calves. Uh, Thank you, Nelson Nelson immediately started hating on it, so it's kind of weird that you and Nelson are on the same page here. I just, I, I mean, like, Rob Demosky, who I, I really like, was obsessed with it. And he's the one that brought it up, that picture. And then he asked LaFleur about it. And then he asked another player about it. It was, ah. was kind of awkward. It was kind of awkward. But he's right. I mean, I've never seen a guy built with a lower body like that, you know, at least in Green Bay, for sure. And Matt LaFleur said the same thing. And, he, I mean, he's got to coach Derrick Henry. Uh, and he hasn't seen a guy like that. The thing, is, the thing about it is it's not just how it looks. He was moving – Pretty good through the hole. I wasn't expecting to see as much uh, burst as he showed. So I'm I'm anxious to see him in pads. I don't know if we'll obviously get to see, you know, you know trying to bring him down to the ground. They're not going to do that probably too much here in camp. But he uh, he's he's an interesting specimen. I'll say that. Yeah, thick with two C's. Maybe Damaski just like his thick boys. There's nothing wrong with that, man. There's nothing wrong with that. So Zach, as you're going up there, or as you were up there on Saturday, what was it? Um, I mean, all eyes on Aaron Rodgers. He's the obviously the face of the team. Was uh, Aaron? How was how was Rodgers and company looking? Yeah, day one. I mean, I they were they were. I mean, I think all the quarterbacks actually had pretty pretty uh, played pretty well. I mean, for a first practice for for the first time that they were on the field, you know, and actually throwing the ball around since since before the NFC title game, it was actually looked pretty good. And the defense will tell you that they won it. Terry Smith kept walked by the. Uh, bleachers after one of the 11 on 11 sessions and he told the media to make sure that they told everybody else that the defense won the day pam is the name farm speak is the game this is the midwest farm report with pam Youngke. 535 now on a tuesday morning don't forget john heinberg market advisor total farm marketing by Stuart peterson our special guest about 545 or so and it's always nice when john can join us we had a big sell-off yesterday as far as fluid milk in chicago and it happened pretty abruptly did i miss a news story what's going on there we're 
going to talk details with uh, John coming up in about 15 minutes. I'm P.M. Yankee. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. So, 18th day of August. Happy birthday to Robert Redford. You want to guess how old he is? 84. That kind of surprised me this morning. I did not realize that, although he's been in the movies forever, right? Robert Redford, 84 years young today. And did you know today is the anniversary of the first time a weather map was televised? They put a weather map on TV on this day back in 1926. And now you know. Well, we want you to know that we're keeping you up to date on details that are being shared on the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. They kicked off that important agronomic visit in both the Western Corn Belt and the Eastern Corn Belt yesterday. And this morning, fellow farm broadcaster Dustin Hoffman has an update from southeastern South Dakota and northeastern Nebraska. In 2019, South Dakota showed a lot of immature crops and prevent plant acres. This year, scouts on the tour were hoping to see more normal conditions in both states. Western Tour lead Jeff Wilson talks about what scouts saw in South Dakota. The gains over last year were impressive. Wilson says the corn should have enough to finish, but the soybeans could use another drink. I would say it was good to great. Talking with the other scouts on the 10 routes that we ran today, They say it's probably one of the best South Dakota crops they've ever seen or measured for that matter. I think that there's probably, given the maturity of the corn, it's probably got enough moisture to make it to the end. But the beans are a little short in terms of the moisture that they have. Wilson compares this year's crop to what South Dakota normally averages, and the numbers this year are good. The bottom line is all you have to do is look at the fact that the, the, the corn yield that we measured today at 179.2 bushels was 12% above the three-year average, 16% above last year, but that doesn't really count because we had so much weather problems. The soybean pod counts, 50% larger than a year ago. So the, the factories are there, the ears are there. Uh, I was pretty amazed to uh, count of, uh, of the 12 routes that I measured today in South Dakota, Four of those routes produced were, were projected at more than 210 bushels. Wilson says that the crops are in relatively good shape for this time of year. Obviously, the corn would really enjoy one more drink, and that would guarantee that you're going to have really good test weights. And uh, But the beans, it's pretty low relative to historical norms, and that's not a good sign. I, I would say that the beans surprised me as well. They, they were a little plumper. Sometimes when you get out here, uh, they, they'll be pretty flat, and they were relatively plump, obviously not anywhere near full maturity levels, so that those rains would help them get, get to the finish line. Right now, it's uh, it's a very good uh, lead in terms of getting to record yields for both corn and beans in South Dakota. As the tour made its way into Nebraska, Wilson says it was a slightly different story. The dry weather was having more effect on the crops they saw there on Monday. They were, uh, I wouldn't say surprised, but they were a little disappointed that the yields kind of came down a little bit from expectations that they may have had for the crop coming into the tour. There definitely are some dryness issues. It looks like there was also some planting problems. You know, we don't get maybe the same number of uh, plants per field that farmers plan to have come up in their fields. So that's a little bit on the disappointing side. And the other thing is there's definitely been, I would say, From what I've heard from other crop scouts, there was definitely more wind damage than we had a year ago. The western leg of the Pro Farmer Crop Tour will wrap up its time in Nebraska on Tuesday. 
I'm Dustin Huffman. Thanks, Dustin. So that's what's happening as far as the western edge of the Corn Belt's concerned. Now remember, Pro Farmer Crop Tour will continue to move its way basically towards uh, Rochester, Minnesota, uh, end of this week. Now COVID-19 has forced them to change some of their face-to-face meetings, but the information is all still being shared. Wisconsin farmers have been doing very well as far as the weather is concerned, at least up until now. Some concerns being voiced in this week's uh, Crop Progress Report that uh, we're going to need some rain in many areas of the state before we uh, start facing loss of yield. Winter wheat harvest is about done, 94% complete. That is two days ahead of our five-year average. 72% of the oats already harvested, five days ahead of our five-year average. Potato harvest is coming along nicely, too. 20% of that crop already harvested. And the condition of the potato crop, 98% good to excellent. That's up eight percentage points compared to a week ago. Same kind of trend when it comes to corn and soybeans across the state. 84% of our corns rated good to excellent, up three points, and 85% of our soybeans called good to excellent. That's up two percentage points and largely because of the moderate weather we've been able to enjoy. In overnight electronic trade, that uh, good news is taking our markets lower. December corn right now down two at 343. November beans down three at 912. September wheat's down three at 513, while July new crop down three as well at 536 a bushel. Barrel cheese in Chicago dropped four yesterday at 146 on three trades. 40 pound black cheese was down a half at 181 and a half on four trades. Double A butter turned the corner though, up five and a half cents at one fifty four a pound, six trades yesterday. What was intriguing to me is fluid milk contracts. They traded stronger basically all day long until just after lunch. And then they plummeted down double digits. September milk overnight is still down a penny, sixteen thirty nine a hundred weight. October milk closed nineteen cents lower at seventeen seventeen a hundred weight. Why is that happening? What went on? What didn't I pay attention to as far as uh, news stories? We're going to talk about that next with John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. You sit tight. We've got that next. And in the meantime, pop on to MidwestFarmReport.com for all the news that we can't squeeze into our radio show. And remember, two different things you can do at MidwestFarmReport.com. Sign up for our daily e-newsletter delivered, well, just about 10 minutes ago, every morning at about 5.30 a.m. And you can also tap into previous farm shows if you want to listen to a special guest or a subject that was of interest to you, MidwestFarmReport.com for our podcasts, as well as signing up for that daily e-newsletter. Like I said, John Heinberg joining us from Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance. 
Keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Pride is an incredible feeling. It's satisfaction, confidence, self-respect, and determination all rolled into one. But it's not something you can pluck out of thin air. It's got to be earned through honest, hard work that pays off in the end. At Dairyland Seed, we don't just want you to team up with us. We want to make you proud that you did, and we work hard to earn that pride. So when you plant one of our top-performing corn or soybean products, you'll know it's been selected specifically for your region, soil, and conditions. When you meet your personal Dairyland seed rep, you'll know they'll be walking your acres with you, hands in the dirt, helping you make the best decisions for your success. And when you see the results come harvest, you'll know exactly what it means to be Dairyland seed proud. If you're ready to discover Dairyland seed pride, we're ready to start earning it. Find a rep in your area at DairylandSeed.com. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. 545 now on a Tuesday morning. Looks like it's going to be very comfortable again today. Upper 70s tomorrow into the low 80s. But the catch is not much of a chance of rain until we get to Saturday. And even at that rate, it may not be all that measurable. Let's talk a little bit about how that weather and uh, the markets kind of interact. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, joining us live from his home over near West Bend. Uh, So, you know, that weather issue, I I think the issue we talked about a a week ago was the derecho. Now, all of a sudden, all eyes are cast on the lack of rain here in the Midwest, you think? Yeah, it's basically been the focus, especially in that soybean market uh, the last couple of days and yesterday starting off the week with a big rally up to the upside. You know, realistically, this goes back to that report on Wednesday where we got the USDA numbers, which were not friendly. The bean market actually uh, numbers were uh, very bearish and very heavy, but we rallied out of that. And that's sometimes a sign of some short covering when you see a market turn. It just got to the stage, maybe prices at that window were cheap enough, especially in corn. We didn't anything worse or anything uh, new to kind of sell. So the market turned around. Obviously, then we had to think about where we were with the storm in Iowa and how much damage was lost. And then also in the forecasts are turning dry. And and just with the demand that's in the market, uh, the money started moving the other direction. And beans right now, we got a lot of volatility and a good move yesterday. If we can get some follow through, wouldn't be surprised to see that move higher because of the demand that's out there. If this market doesn't believe that that crop is going to be where they're projecting it to be just last Wednesday. Right, right. Now, the Pro Farmer Crop Tour started yesterday. Uh, two different groups of agronomists on the east and west uh, boundaries of the Corn Belt. Are, are you, is, I'm thinking that their first boots on the ground experience, especially in Iowa, could be a market mover, John. What do you think? 
I think it to an extent. I mean, right now, actually, it's probably putting some pressure on the market as they're working through a couple of regions on the western side of South Dakota and Nebraska uh, yesterday. And I, we got those South Dakota numbers, and those are way above where the USDA is targeting. They came in with South Dakota about 179.2 bushels per acre. USDA thinking South Dakota is at 167. You know, so there's going to be some things there today that are going to weigh that, you know, how does this look in the big picture, even with the damage in Iowa, that we got good corn in a lot of other regions that could easily absorb that loss of production. So that's going to be something we're going to be watching very, very closely as the market's kind of priced in maybe some of that damage. And if the pro farmer comes in with some strong results, you know, that could kind of minimize some of the impact, at least in the traders' minds. So yesterday we did see more double-digit gains early in the day, but we ended off kind of now we're giving it back. Is that profit-taking, John? Is it the crop progress report uh, getting to the market? Why the, the sudden turn, or is that a story I missed? And the corn market, that's probably, again, the reflection a little bit more of the pro-farmer numbers and the fact that we still have a lot of corn. Even with the damage in Iowa, you know, we started last Wednesday with a 15 billion bushel crop. We ended the day with a 15.275 billion bushel crop after the USDA report. So even if you take out 300 million bushels in Iowa, we're basically back to where we were in July, which is still a heavy corn supply. And and in order even to get to that number, the USDA put 150 million bushels into the demand side of the equation, which many people feel already that's already lofty targets for next year. So, So there's a lot of questions into that you know, overall pile and where we are. But right now, it's still just a lot of corn. And, you know, here we got a nice little rally. We're back up to an area where maybe you can get something started or build a little bit of defense. You know, I'm still concerned if we get into that September report and we don't see any major adjustments that could really tighten up the corn pile, that our low may not be in yet. Right. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, joining us live. You can reach them toll-free, 800 334 9779 or check them out online totalfarmmarketing.com John let's talk a little bit about uh, how exports are going I see that uh, the United States and China have decided at this stage they are not going to be reviewing the phase 1 purchases China still uh, coming into the marketplace pretty aggressively have you seen the numbers what is it telling the market in both cases, in terms of at least the grain side, uh, the Chinese market or Chinese business has been extremely strong, uh, especially in soybeans. You go back and look at uh, sales on the books for new crop beans. Right now, we are well ahead of pace for the last 15 years, if not even at a record level of beans on the books. And that comes down to the product that we've got the best value in town. We think Chinese be- or excuse me, U.S. beans are about 80 cents a bushel underneath Brazil right now, and that'll probably hold all the way until the fall, if not even into the winter. So that's going to keep them active in that market, supporting the bean market. Corn, we saw some nice purchases early. We need to see some more come in. There's still some demand out there. I, I believe we still will see those purchases. Uh, but at this stage, you know, again, great start for both those two. And that is some of the reason we saw that price turn last week is just the fact that we go from a we get from a supply driven market to a demand driven market and those can be very supportive of price even given the bigger picture on the supply side Mm -hmm. now let's uh, switch gears i gotta talk dairy because yesterday i was happy happy joy 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 until just a little after lunch we had a big rally on fluid milk contracts in chicago and suddenly when i turned around to do the closing market report we had lost it all and we were giving it up what did i miss 
Well, the combination of things going on there in that regard, you know, we had the hard tumble in cheese early last week, stabilized towards the end of the week. I think the market was kind of maybe anticipating some follow through in that cheese market. And we wound up basically being flat and actually, you know, barrels down four cents. So I think that disappointed the market. We're in a window here, too. We've got a lot of questions. You know, right now they're looking at food service orders of schools opening here in the next month or or week or two or so. We're seeing less than below expectations in that regard. So that's got some concerns going into that fluid milk market. Plus, on top of that, we do have pretty decent supplies, at least in most regions. So right now, that's kind of where we're at. And then basically, the market's building a bit of a range at this stage between that $17 window in September down to the $16 window. And now we're pushing back to the bottom of the range. I'm a little concerned if this market does get on the defensive, we break that barrier. There is some still room to fall. Uh, so producers need to probably still be active, especially looking at October, November at 17 plus. There's still some window there to make some protection in this market. Uh, but again, right now there's a lot of indecision and the markets don't like indecision. And that brings a lot of volatility and, and reactions like that when they see something not go the way they're expecting. Are all the mechanisms we've got at our fingertips uh, being triggered? Are the federal programs, any of our insurance programs, are we still tripping those? terms of the milk market side and you know things such as uh, the DRP with the strength that we got in the front months there's probably not going to be a lot of support in the rest of the quarter there but you can still look at getting those programs put together uh, on that side of the equation you know maybe look at that October November and December and start getting some floor built or looking at some strategies uh, you know working with somebody like myself yeah I get a lot of a lot of concern from Wisconsin producers in particular that all of those uh, charts and graphs don't paint the picture on the milk check price when it comes to the producer price differential that seems to be penalizing our Wisconsin dairy guys. You know, that still keeps to be a struggle here in terms of, you know, we've got elevated class three price t- to some extent, even though we've lost a lot of that premium. And it does continue to weigh on that market overall in terms of what they're getting in the mailbox price. And it's going to stay that way for a little bit, at least in terms of until we get this market totally balanced and back to where we need it to be in terms of the cheese price and fluid milk demand. And right now, again, there's just too many variables that are so hard to gauge. Uh, I'm almost fearful that you see some aggressive selling in this milk goes back down and challenges those April lows, especially if we see a lot of these school closures or anything else come along because of COVID. Uh, there's still a lot of risk in this market for in the next few months here. Yeah, agreed. All right, John, you go ahead. Run down your phone number and your website because I'm hoping your message is resonating with producers. They have to take action. They've got to use some of these tools. Yes, I'd love to chat with them anytime. Give us a call at 800-334-9779 or feel free to shoot me an email. Again, my email address is johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. And that is also our website, totalfarmmarketing.com. It's a lot of good information on that site. Love to chat with them. Feel free to give me a call or shoot me an email. All right, my friend. We'll catch up with you next week. Enjoy it, John. We'll see you. Thanks. Have a great week. All right. John Heinberg, glad he joins us every Tuesday live to break down the markets for you. And that in this week includes the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. Again, his toll-free number is 800-334-9779 or totalfarmmarketing.com. Well, that'll uh, keep you up to date on what's happening as far as uh, the news and the markets for now. But remember, we encourage you to sign up for our online e-newsletter, MidwestFarmReport.com. And about 11 o'clock this morning, you'll be able to hear all of our latest podcasts, including this one. This 